Find out about our new events and updates on Instagram and Facebook at ucla.aia. If you'd like to send in any questions or comments, or if you are interested in being a guest on the podcast, send them to ucla.aiapresident at gmail.com. Thank you for wanting to learn more about the Indonesian American experience, and I hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the seventh episode of the AIA podcast with your host, Dylan. Today, I'm joined by an AIA member, Kevin Riffin. Kevin, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I, I just got off doing some meetings, but I'm, I'm very happy to be here and we're going to be talking about a lot of uh, fun stuff today. So I'm glad I could be here. Uh, how are you doing, Dylan, though? I'm... Um, I'm doing okay. I don't have my phone. I'm trying to log into my UCLA, but it's okay. It's okay. We need two-factor authentication for a reason. Yeah, I was just we were just talking and uh, getting this podcast started, and uh, I thought you needed a maybe we should uh, have a little bit of a of a, a, a deep breath session at the beginning of the podcast for everyone to have a kind of like a relaxation. So. Take a few deep breaths, everyone. I know it can be stressful uh, during this time. But... <sighs> okay, that was. Do you hear me blowing on my mic? Is this ASMR now? <laughs> it wasn't really in sync, but but that's totally fine. All right, <laughs> hit, hit us with the hit us with the what you want to talk about today, uh, Dylan. Well, today we're gonna talk about education. Um, because education is something that we all go through. Like Kevin was talking about this a little bit earlier with me, saying how we all we all are kind of like experts in education in our own way. Like we're experts in our own education. But um, Kevin over here is studying education, which is which is interesting, which is uh, a bit a bit peculiar. So he has um, he has. You know, more more views on education than the regular school attending person. So I just thought we could talk about that perspective. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting that you mentioned that it's peculiar. Um, I don't think it's a peculiar thing for people to have, like, perspectives on like, education. And as you mentioned, like, everybody has gone through school, right? And to some extent or form, I guess that's, like, one of the things that, like, if you live in this world that you pretty much have to go through education in some way or another, you know, in any country, or even if like in like uh, areas in which they don't even have formal education, you still like have an education either through like your family and stuff like that. So everybody has their own educational experience. And so that's something we can, we can talk about, but yeah, I'm not sure if it's peculiar, uh, but it is something that I am studying, and and there isn't a lot of Indonesian Americans in the the educational uh, field, at least in the United States. So I suppose it is it is uh it is quite unique in that way. Yes, thank you, Dylan. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, I didn't mean like peculiar <laughs> as in as in strange or anything, but I mean it's just I guess a little bit out of the ordinary than I guess what you would usually hear from what students talk about or like what they're majoring in and everything. Um, 
and because education is a pretty pretty new major and stuff but but well i think the the viewers or the listeners would like to know a little bit more about you kevin though so yeah so i can probably do a little bit of that um yeah i think you mentioned too like again i'm one of very few indonesian americans um that is studying education right now here at ucla especially since the major is new here um, so I, I mean, even in my program, I have yet to meet another Indonesian American. So oh. it is, uh, it is, it is really interesting. But you gotta what, convince, <laughs> convince our members. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <but> time. <laughs> I mean, I'd love for there to be more Indonesian Americans or more Southeast Asians, uh, Asian Americans in the education program in general. I mean, any time that I can connect with with members who belong to my ethnic or racial community, that that. That is a really strong sign, and and we'll talk about this later. But there aren't a lot of Southeast Asians or Asians in the teaching force in the United States, just in general. Um, there's only about like one to one point two percent from the last figure that I read of K through twelve teachers who who are Asian, um, and that isn't necessarily reflective of of the numbers of Asians we see in the educational system, right? Because we're a pretty fast growing minority. Um, here in the United States. But anyways, to answer your question, uh, how I got started in education, um, I originally got started by um, doing like, I did a lot of teaching and tutoring in high school. Actually, during my senior year of high school, I actually got to teach like a full length journalism class. Um, and so that was really the first time that I got my feet dipped in the water. And since then, ever since I've joined like college, um, I've branched a little bit more into science education, specifically now. Um, I do a lot of, uh, you know, uh, classes revolving around um, science education. Right now, I also work as a learning assistant for one of the chemistry classes here on campus. Um, yeah. As a learning the best learning assistant. <laughs> as a learning assistant, I I get to learn about or I get to learn a lot about actually teaching. Um, and working with students from like underrepresented communities, um, working with students who have different learning accommodations. Um, and in, I actually, I also get to like practice it as well. I also get to go into classroom discussions and lead groups of students uh, facilitating their discussions. And I, act, I also run uh, problem solving workshops. I also ran just recently a panel on like how to study because the course that I, uh, that I work for is is mostly first years. So just giving them tips for like surviving college, um, studying, especially in the virtual environment, stuff like that. So I do a lot of like, I guess now I do a lot of like uh, learning about teaching, um, learning about the forces that go behind education and also doing a little bit of actual practice myself. Oh, um. You know, I was thinking about how you were talking about um, AIA and stuff and, and it being something that you would never like join your first year. What was your mindset your first year uh, compared to now? Yeah, so um, we talked about this and, and I'll explain to the audience. When, when I was originally considering joining the Association of Indonesian Americans, um, or well, actually, before I was even considering joining it, um, in my first year, I thought I would never join a, a cultural club because I never, 
felt that I could belong in one. Um, I didn't, I mean, besides like knowing like a few of the food items and like owning a boutique, I really don't know anything else about being Indonesian American. Um, but yeah, my first year I was like pretty intimidated. I was like, I don't really know a lot about being Indonesian American. And so I felt like I was never qualified to, to join a club um, about Indonesian Americans. And I guess, you know, as I, you know, by accident, uh, or not really by accident, I had somebody advise me to take an Asian American studies class. And I guess through that, I realized that, hey, being Asian is pretty cool. And, and uncovering my ethnic identities is pretty cool. And it was like a space where I could actually like talk about it because in high school, um, I didn't have the space to do that. Even though I was surrounded by a lot of Asians, like they really could care less about Indonesian. So I just kind of adapted to their culture. So in a way I felt like that was stolen from me a little bit, but here in college, especially in that class, it was like, you know, it's, it's you should, it's something that you should be proud of. And, and it's something we have to be proud of. Otherwise, you know, other people will take it away from us, um, take away that culture from us. And, and so I guess through that, I discovered that it's, in, it's important to me. And so that's, you know, just recently, that's why I decided, um, to join AIA because I realized that on top of discovering what it means to be Indonesian American on top of that being like an important journey that I should go on. I also realized like that part of the struggle that I have in finding my identity is part of the Indonesian American experience, whether you're first generation, second generation, third generation, if there are even a lot of third generation um, Indonesian Americans out here, um, you know, the, the things you struggle with, with your identity here do, you know, that's representative of what a lot of us face. Um, mm, yeah. And so, you know, I found that to be, you know, when Jason, the president and, and my professor said that that's an incredibly valid experience to have, like, I felt like, you know, that does qualify me to be in this club. And, and even though I can't, speak on you know i can't even fully speak the language or pronounce certain words properly yet i feel like you know lear reconnecting with my indonesian heritage but also um talking about my experiences as a whole as well it, it is really important and and i've you know just to relate it to what we were talking about earlier i've i've found that it's also really important to what i want to do as as part of my career I guess in joining AIA, I realized like, yes, it's really important to know the community in which I come from and to understand like what my heritage is, because if I want to be an advocate for other like underrepresented or historically excluded communities in education and in science, science education and in the STEM field itself, right? Because underrepresented communities are not present in those fields and the numbers we'd like to see, then if I'm going to be an advocate for them, I, I have to understand where I come from. And so, yeah, that that's, that's part of the reason why I was initially hesitant to join AIA and why I stay here and why I think it contributes to my, my overall goal. So yeah, great question, Dylan. <laughs> well, 
Well, yeah, I think that's like something that a lot of people can relate to, though. And uh, I mean, I mean, that's a little bit of how I, I guess, relate to it. I mean, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but I think like a lot of people don't really see themselves as being worthy to uh, to be in a cultural or not worthy, but like being um, actually that culture. I think there's a lot of like imposter syndrome with right that yeah yeah because we always talk about imposter syndrome as relating to oh i'm going to ucla that's that's scary um i i don't need to like academics but yeah also yeah, but not really to culture yeah yeah it can also apply to like any facet of identity mm-hmm. whether that be you know related to academics or like gender or like cult um like ethnicity race like we, you know, we see a lot of that struggle, like not only exists within like the feelings of like people like me, like second generation Indonesian Americans, but, you know, even, even people who like are Indonesian, like trying to fit into their uh, Indonesian families, maybe adopting some Western ideologies um, along the way while they're here and trying to relate those back to home. Um, and also like Indonesian American like parents um, or relatives who live in Indonesia. Like I know whenever I go back to Indonesia, like even though it's a fun experience, like I never feel like anything more than like a tourist to a certain ex- extent. And I know my relatives kind of treat me like a tourist as well. Like, oh, I don't, I don't really know anything. Um, and like, I'm not like, really indonesian you know what i mean so there's a lot there's a lot of there's a lot of complexity when it comes to cultural imposter syndrome um within second generation indonesian americans within indonesian americans themselves who move here so immigrants and and you know between the two worlds between indonesia and here in the united states as well i think Mm. how many times have you been back to indonesia um, I've, I've, I've been back, I probably have been back, I could count it on my, my hand, my fingers. On your fingers. Yeah, like, okay. not, not many times, um, unfortunately. And, and now, I mean, I'd love to go back now. Now that I've joined AIA and, like, I'm, I'm learning Indonesian, I'd love to be able to go, um, soon. But with the pandemic, it, it does not seem it's not i would probably not be back within the foreseeable future unfortunately but but maybe 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 two years from now or three years from now i hope i, I can i hope i can go back and and show off all the things that i'm i'm learning through this this club and such oh yeah and then uh by then you'll take indo was it 100a or Indo 100 B or something. I think I only have space to take Indo one through three, unfortunately. Um, if you're interested, are you interested in taking uh four through six and a hundred? Um, I I think if I were to do that, I'd probably like, I'd probably take it pass no pass because, I mean, I already have my language requirements i don't mm. and if i if i already if i went to that level you you would already pass your language requirement but i think it's just good to learn the way that um teaches us how to um how to speak indonesian because this mm. isn't this isn't like pandering for bujuliana if she's listening to this <laughs> but 
get that it's extra, like you know wait what get the extra credit oh yeah get the extra i didn't go to the extra credit event <laughs> but uh but anyway i think um i think like the way that you learn indonesian at home and i think like every, most languages like the way you learn it at home is a lot different the way that you speak it with relatives is a lot different we don't use anda like who the heck no one uses anda for oh yeah if we're talking with like, whenever i talk to my parents relatives. in indonesian that we learn they're like they're like oh that's really formal who says that <laughs> and so yeah. uh, you know there's the there's a disconnect too. Even if I'm trying to learn Indonesian, I, I still am not Indonesian. I'm not like quote unquote real Indonesian, you know, that's, there's still that. So there's still a lot, there's still a lot that I, I, I need to learn. And I guess part of being here, I guess if I was an expert already, then I would be fully in Indonesia. Well, yeah. I mean, people in AIA aren't, that's the point of AI. Like no one is really an expert, you know, in Indonesia. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess that's the complexity of it as well. Cause we are association yeah. of Indonesian Americans. It's right. the two cultures, right? Right. Indonesia and America. Right. And we've, most of us have lived here, like our whole, most of us have lived in the United States our whole lives. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't think there's an expectation to, to be like a professional Indonesian or something, you know, it's a, uh, it's every, it's something that yeah, everyone. I mean, what does that even mean? What does that even mean to be a professional? A professional. <laughs> well, I mean, like living there, I guess, and being. I, yeah, I, I, that was more like a rhetorical question. Like, what does that, what does that even entail? Like, I don't even know the requirements. That so, what like speak the language, wear the clothing, eat the food, what else? Like, have certain. <laughs> wear the batik to your internship. Yeah. exactly entails there's a lot and even within indonesia and we talked about this there's a lot of there's a lot of diversity that exists there with bell there's not one indonesian profile you know Mm. and so i i I don't even know what that in in fully entails um but yeah yeah. even even indonesian americans if you you can consider them like their own group as well like, you know how in Indonesia there's like Indonesian Chinese, uh, indigenous mm-hmm. Indonesian, right. people who are both like me, right. you know, and like, um, and Achenese and um, uh, people from different islands. You know, there's just like thousands of islands in Indonesia, and you expect everyone to be the same. It's it's not really like that. So mm-hmm. it yeah, I just remember going to like Indonesia, and like when I went to go visit, you can get all the sambal, right? And it's yeah. different from every single island you go to. Is like it's a different, different way they cook this similar foods, and uh, I, I just remember being really, really interested by like that because like here in the United States, ketchup is the same everywhere, you know. Is it though? It is. <laughs> it's some really chunky ketchup. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I'm not really sure what you can do with tomato and salt, but, you know, in Indonesia, you got all the different spices that you put in all the different sambals, right? You know? So yeah, that's true. It's not all standardized. So that I, I think that was pretty cool. I don't know. I can only really speak on food. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of food. yeah I guess it's not. Well, I think that's most people, though. Like, even if, um, even if you, like, 
have studied or not studied or like even if you are just Indonesian like from Indonesia or something the first thing that comes up for most people is food so that that makes sense that <laughs> that your first thing is is food um because that just like brings people together and mm-hmm. I mean the act of eating food the the fact that like the food is really different in different places right that's what that's what brings people together so right um yeah so that that makes sense yeah yeah so anyways <laughs> uh bringing it back to i think what we were originally going to talk about we kind of went on like a tangent of talking about like food and and stuff like that but but I think you wanted to talk about some some education stuff. Yeah, yeah. So uh, as for, I guess we wouldn't expect you to have like a big, I don't know, mm-hmm. a big knowledge of education and everything because I mean mm-hmm. we're we're both still students, we're both mm-hmm. still learning what our uh, right what our majors even entail. Mm-hmm. Like for me, I've busy con. What what does that even mean? <laughs> but um yeah but maybe just could you give like a little um bit of insight on on why you chose to double major in education and uh biochem and maybe like what would um what would you want to do with that like what what kind of impact do you want to create sure um, so I originally entered UCLA as a psychobio major, um, which is not that far off from biochemistry. Well, I mean, eh, psychology to chemistry, I guess, is an interesting transition. But I originally came into UCLA psychobio because I think I was still like teetering on the edge of like maybe doing pre-med um, or I was actually I wasn't really considering it. But I was I when I applied, my, my parents reviewed my application. And so I was like. Mm, I, I guess I'm still hinting that there's a possibility of that for, for their stake. But I think as I went through my first year and I took kind of classes and I, I mean, I had a good time my first year, don't get me wrong, but I was just going through the motions, like um, figuring out uh, how to get adjusted to college life. And, and I wasn't really thinking about the future. And it wasn't really until like COVID hit that I came home and I was sitting, you know, all this college stuff I had to distract me um, was gone. And I really had to sit in front of my computer. Um, and at that point, I didn't have AIA or the, uh, I'm also part of APC, the Asian Pacific Coalition here at UCLA. And, and, all, and all these other communities that I've joined since uh, the beginning of, of my sophomore year, my second year here, um, I didn't have all that. So I really had to like sit and stare at myself at my computer. And I really began to think like, what am I going to do with this psychobio degree? Um, and I think going through the pandemic, I was like, do I really want to be a doctor? Especially seeing like the work that they're doing. Don't, I, again, don't get me wrong. Like the work that they're doing is really honorable. And like, if anything, we need to like emphasize the work that our first responders are, are, are doing on the front lines. But I, I was not, I was not sure about that. And then I kind of, I kind of just thought like, what, what do I really want to do with this? And so I ultimately came to the conclusion that I do want to stay in the sciences. I, I do really enjoy specifically, I do really enjoy chemistry, 
the only reason that I didn't choose it originally was because everybody told me it was hard. And I guess I was scared of doing something that was difficult. So I chose against that, but I realized that I do really like doing chemistry. And even if it's hard, I, I think chemistry is, is, is really cool and, and really applicable in our world and combine that with biology has so many consequences, not, not only with like health, but, but also with understanding the world as it is like having a basic understanding of how biology and chemistry works. It's like pretty much all you need to really know about the sciences on a day-to-day basis, like physics, physics, you can, you can get away with that, with, with not knowing a lot of physics. Like I don't even have a lot of understanding of physics, but like biology and chemistry, I feel like you can get away with less of that, uh, given some of the issues that we face now. But yeah, so that's kind of why I switched to biochem. Um, and then I decided to tack on the education major after that, because again, thinking about what I really want to do, um, I realized that I really do like teaching. Like I mentioned before, I've been doing it since high school. Uh, I love working with students. I, I love strategizing how to help them best learn. And, and ever since I've become much more conscious about my the different facets of my identity and, and the privileges that I have and don't have, um, and, and realizing that so many people don't have access to the really good science education that I had growing up and, and in which I was taught by people who look like me, um, who were also Asians in my high school, like I want to be able to not only teach, but to push, to push those agendas in which we can create a much more accessible, equitable and higher quality science education, not only through me being like a, an excellent educator, I hope, but, but also doing work in, in the field that, that would entail like research into, um, programs or research into why certain communities aren't receiving the kind of science education that they need to have, um, what kind of strategies work best um, for all students, right? And and that's kind of where I go. I mean, I, I don't have like a 100% defined path right now, but but it, I, I'm starting to get there and, I, and I'm starting to feel, um, I feel a lot more conviction than I did over a year ago about what I want to do with my, with my, my career path. And that's how I've kind of chosen my majors that I'm doing now. Yeah. Hmm. Well, that's, that's pretty nice. I think that's, it's like something that everyone has to face just the idea of what am I going to do with my life? Right. <laughs> what am I going to do with this major? Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of psycho bio majors who are questioning it during quarantine too. So yeah, thank you a lot on that. No, so, you know, part of it is like, I mean, part of it is like, since we were like kindergartners, we've been expected to know what we want to be when we grow up. Like when I was in kindergarten and at the graduation, I had to like do a presentation in front of all the parents and be like, I want to be a firefighter. And it's like, uh, are you really expected to know at that point? And it's not, until I really got my hands deep into the water and I, I started taking chemistry course, college chemistry courses and like making really good connections with professors and linking up with professors who do uh, do science education research and like curriculum development and like also getting to teach it and, and influence curriculum here at UCLA as well. 
like that I really was like, oh, this is really what I want to do. But but growing up, like that is it's really unrealistic that our 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 society for whatever capitalist reasons um expects us to 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 know the know what we want to be when we're we grow up so so young and without any real experience. Well, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to do that though, because the thing is, it's just like when we're young, we don't we don't know what's out there. Like the only things that we learn about are like stories about firefighters and policemen and um, astronauts, president. Like those those are the only few things that we know. Like as kindergartners, right? We don't we don't know about um, right. physician assistant or um, EMT or uh contract lawyer things things like that yeah. i guess that um we don't really see because it's either through entertainment that we see these things like on the on the movie screens or something and movie screens don't really portray real life and they th- there's, there's there's a lot of stuff out there that obviously we don't we don't know as kids but i think it's still good to have right. those aspirations because yeah, people yeah. to have dreams is a pretty good thing, but um, it just depends on whether or not you learn of something else that maybe is better for your situation. Mm-hmm. And of course, it's like, of course, it's not realistic. Like when I remember, like in kindergarten, when fifty of us said we want to be firefighters, and fifty another fifty wanted to be police officers, and it's, yeah, it's they- not realistic. And I, I don't think my parents were like, haha, oh shoot, he's really gonna be a firefighter. Let's send him to a firefighter academy next year, you know? Like, I don't think it was like that serious. I'm just saying like that like there's an expectation that you should know as soon as possible. And some of it is healthy. Um, but some of it really really causes you to like question what you're what you're doing and 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 are you pushing yourself into something that you don't really know if you're passionate about yet. And, and for some people, you know, they know it since the, you know, they know it very young. They know they want to be a doctor when they grow up because they have like a personal experience that informs them that they want to do that. But other people, like, I guess like me or even people who are still switching their majors, like junior, senior year <laughs> here at UCLA or at any college are like still on the fence about it are, are still looking for those reasons. So it's it's kind of a situational like you know circumstantial um um kind of thing but you know i i think that's that's really interesting that to you know to think about how how we how we kind of push kids to to know as early as possible and and what are the ways that we can do that productively um and then i think on top of that you also mentioned like how like a lot of careers are like not portrayed in the media media like appropriately and that's so true like i think like in kids shows we have like a lot of fantasized uh ideas of of really basic service roles service jobs uh in the united states and and on top of like not seeing like especially for asian americans on top of not seeing ourselves on the television in um in some of those roles um, or seeing ourselves in certain roles. I think just like, even in like, for me um, as somebody who's interested in going into to education, like not seeing a lot of myself within my classes or within like 
I know within the majority, again, there's only one to 1.2% of like Asians who are teachers in K through 12 schools. Like not, I mean, I was very fortunate to have teachers who were Asian, but not seeing ourselves in, in, um, you know, not seeing a lot of Asian Americans in a lot of these jobs, not seeing Asian Americans at the, at the top of a lot of these companies that we could be interested in doing. Um, I think that also plays a role beyond media as well, of the representation in, in different occupations as well. And especially for me in education as, as, as somebody who, who is really underrepresented um, within, within uh, the, the educator's field. Um, I'm kind of going against the grain and, and, and making a statement by just by studying education, I suppose. I think it's maybe a, a bit because like what you mainly see on screen and stuff are like cop shows and um, Grey's Anatomy. I mean, Grey's Anatomy, you got you have Sandra Oh, you know, mm-hmm. she, she's there. And I guess that like affirms, <laughs> affirms some some Asian Americans about being a doctor and everything. But um, I mean, that's that's really cool. That's one of the things that I find really cool. And also like Hawaii Five-0 or something, right? There's there's uh, there's representation in mm-hmm. uh, for Asians, and I think it's it's growing as as someone who yeah. like kind of keeps my eye on entertainment and everything, and been in the entertainment industry a little bit. I think it's there's more more chances for Asians to be on television, like. Crazy Rich Asians really started it off, honestly. Um, well, the modern, I think yeah. the modern renaissance of um, Asian Americans on screen uh, yeah. happened with Crazy Rich Asians because of how successful it was and how uh, differently it really portrayed Asian Americans than before. Like I, I could see a lot of my friends in those characters in Crazy Rich Asians. Uh, I mean, they, they weren't like, rich and everything or i mean like i mean some of them i guess it's just like uh, the diversity it, personality from yeah it's just the the culture like, the culture has changed because like successful yeah. like sidekick or something like that or like yeah the, 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 the yeah and you know those those kind of asian stereotypes like um oh this person who has to get a plus on everything or super good at math and only good for that like kind of like a throwaway kind of character. It, 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 it's good to see that that we're yeah, not we more visibility, but the diversity yeah. of, of of our race with all of its different ethnicities, experiences, um, is also being represented in media. And, and I'm glad that that's growing and, and hopefully that bleeds out into careers as well as, as we've mentioned. Yeah. You know, we're kind of living through it in a sense that, you know, growing up, I think you and me, we didn't have a lot of that. The Renaissance, like you mentioned, really only, I mean, I didn't start with Crazy Rich Asians, but but it's been, it, I'm not exactly sure what, what started it per se, but I think like it's only in recent times that we've seen it become like a really like big deal um, mm-hmm. in the mainstream media. So growing up, we didn't have that. So we're kind of still living through it and, and, and we haven't, we have yet to see other than like our personal feelings and experiences, we have yet to see like how, 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 you know, what are the consequences of that? Not consequences in a bad way, of course, but like, how does that affect like kids and how they perceive the world growing up and the kinds of opportunities or kinds of experiences and 
if they would still face discrimination or stereotypes. I mean, I'm sure there, those will still exist, but um, will there be a difference? There will, will there be a difference in tolerance as well? And we're kind of living through that right now. So that's, that's a really interesting phenomenon to observe, I think. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I guess maybe just from my perspective, I, I think um, like I've seen more Asian actors now since, uh, since Crazy Rich Asians. It's probably not just started from it, but like, you know, growing up, I would watch like JK Films or something or mm. uh, Ryan Higa, you know, like those would be... Right. Hey, what? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, but you know, you know, like JK Films and Wong Fu Productions. Yep. I, right? exactly yeah. what talking about. Oh, yeah. I, I met Phil Wing just a few weeks ago. Um, yeah. We talked about this. But we I met talk him. about that. <laughs> we, uh, well, I don't know if we want to talk about it here, but I also grew up watching Dylan on Kids uh, React. So, um, <laughs> that was uh something else as well um but yeah but that again that only really started with us with our generation right there was no youtube before 2005 so we're we're seeing the consequences of 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 that kind of media as well um that kind of media getting popularized where like anybody from any community you don't need to go through a, a studio or get approved you can just start and build an audience and relate with people so kind of community building that way and, and seeing Asians come together on in online spaces we're we're also seeing that as well. So yeah, that's a really good point, Dylan. Yeah, but speaking on community though, I think one thing that um you kind of touched upon was like community and how you would um I guess how you how you've like found community in in these cultural orgs that you've joined like APC and AIA um what like what made you I guess want to join these um orgs or like how do you see it relate to your your career path because I I think I think a lot of times like I think uh for me sometimes I've thought why am I in these why am I in these cultural orgs because they're not going to advance my professional life and stuff like why don't I join something that's um more professional or why don't I only join professional clubs and I I think that's sometimes a perspective that um new students might have it's just like the only thing that you get out of college is a trade mm-hmm. and um that's that shouldn't really be the case uh, at least from from how I see it uh, we've always had trade schools, but it's just, it's just, um, recently where so many people can get ed- like college education and have the experiences in college. Yeah. Um, I think I already talked about like how I got into AIA. So I'll, I'll focus more on like communities in general, but like, um, I think I kind of touched upon it as well. I think I said like, um, the way I see it, like, if I'm going to advocate for other communities, like through and like in education, like if I'm going to talk about wanting to have communities of color have better education, uh, you know, educational systems within their communities, I, I have to understand what is what does it mean to be part of a community of, 
of color or what does it mean to be part of a community that needs extra learning accommodations or any facet of identity, right? Gender, race, ethnicity, socioeconomic background, um, sexuality, right? If, I, if I'm going to be an advocate for any of these underrepresented groups, I have to understand, you know, what, what privileges do I have and what privileges do I not have, right? Um, what, what are my, what is my experience being in these kinds of, uh, in these kinds of spaces and what advantages and disadvantages do I have? What would I seek to improve based on my own experiences? And, 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 and so in that way, I've been, been able to relate everything I'm doing here at UCLA in terms of cultural inter- into what I want to do in, 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 in a career. Right. I mean, although I don't necessarily explicitly want to work with just Asians or Southeast Asians or Indonesian Americans um, in an educational career, I think being aware of the kinds of issues that we face can not only help me be more empathetic to the kinds of issues and um, oppression that other communities face, but also like being able to find solutions to those through the educational system. For example, we talk, there's a lot of talk about like right now, affirmative action or the school to prison pipeline or a lot of those, there's a lot of social issues that are also linked um, to the educational system. And at the end of the day, any, any political social issue comes down to the way that we are educated and the way that we learn about our world and the way it works. So things like climate change or vaccines or stuff that is, you know, even more scientifically related to science education, those still have implications as well for, for different communities, um, different consequences, um, depending on like what, what you've learned um, in school. And so, you know, working, working to solve problems within, with that certain communities face, including ones that I belong to, but also looking to fix problems that affect all all of humanity as a whole. And and I think more generally, I don't even think that, you know, I guess it's it seems more relevant because I am in an education field and I'm working with others like more intimately, I would say, than maybe some other careers would. But every single career that exists your personal experience and diversity that you can bring is like something that adds to the entirety of whatever operation you're trying to run, I would say. And there's a lot of research into this of like how diversity is beneficial for workspaces or even how diversity is beneficial for classrooms, right? Different perspectives, different experiences, you know, you can bring all of those and and have that um, benefit you and 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 whatever occupation you want to do and and so I don't I don't think that it, it's entirely useless in in any field to be involved in a cultural org and I don't know what what are some ways that you see like being part of an Indonesian American club can can work for you as a as a biz econ major. By making them business connections, not um, no. um, well, I I don't really see it as um as like something that will help me professionally um 
that or okay i i i am like able to do more things now like i know how to run this podcast right i know how to um balance certain things to help me time manage and also um lead projects be an event planner things like that um that's those are skills that i'm able to practice through aia um and I mean, do you see any way in which, like, the the understanding that you've built of your own heritage, like, can be beneficial to you in the workspace? Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, so that's what I was trying to get to. So, knowing knowing community, knowing culture, is something that a lot of people miss um, when they're when they're doing any type of profession in teaching. You know, it's pretty clear, like you should know what your community is about um, if you're going to that community. You see a lot of teachers who go to uh, inner cities or something and were, were raised in the suburbs and stuff and didn't, didn't know too much about about what type of um, school they were teaching at. You know, they don't know the community as well. Um, but it's the same thing for like, like business. You need to know... Um, not just the people, like the individual people, but also like where are people coming from? And um, if I know someone from San Gabriel Valley, like from the 66, that's that's cool. And I also am able to like learn from their experiences. If they're doing something in finance or they're doing um, owning a business or something like that, like I want to know how they did that because that's mm-hmm. that's where I came from. Right. And um, learning about your culture, like learning about Indonesian culture, you see, um, you see a lot of business people in Indonesia. Um, they are indigenous Indonesian, and they're and through AIA, I was able to, um, I guess, have a mindset towards learning more about why I'm here, why um, my mom decided to bring us to the United States, and. Um, a lot of that was because of Chinese Indonesian persecution and knowing that framework allows you to be in solidarity with the, with the older generation, because a lot of, a lot of students nowadays, or a lot of, uh, younger people nowadays, they don't, they don't know what the older generation went through. And that's a, that's a problem because if you don't know why the older generation brought you to the United States, you kind of lose yourself. You lose what makes um what makes your story so important that the fact that you're even here that you're even an american is is an anomaly um Mm -hmm. i i think you need to know your culture um because it's it's a way to just like it's a way to connect as well because you can understand the um the older generation or you can understand your parents you can understand maybe your cousins or um people who didn't grow up in the u.s you can understand them better um and it's not just indonesia you can understand people from other cultures a right. bit better too because you see how um you see how the culture in indonesia was oppressive towards a certain person or towards a certain group then you can see that connection in different areas in um in the US or in 
um, different uh, countries around the world, you're able to make those connections too. So I think that develops me as a person. Um, that's one of the things I got from well, being an AIA for a couple months. It's just the idea that that um, that we have to look farther from ourselves. Like even though AIA is a pretty small uh, org on campus and we aren't like a big org and everything. Mm-hmm. And I guess we'd say, you'd say we are a pretty small community. Um, I think I've gotten the mindset that we need to look outward, that we need to look at what other people are doing, what other countries are doing. And um, that can help in not just like my own professional development, but my own personal development in how I want like a Wikipedia article to be written about me in the future. You know, that's, that's how I see the importance of these cultural organizations because you get context. You don't get context by going to a professional club and you learn about the current day. You learn about now, but you don't learn about why you're, why you're here, why you're in this present. So that's what I see as important. Yeah. I mean, preach. (laughs) <laughs> I, I think you touched upon some, some really good points there. And, and, and even the stuff, even if it doesn't seem to have like any direct translations into your career per se, I mean, sometimes depending on your career, it's not as trans. I mean, for me as an educator, it's, it's pretty transparent how, it, how those things translate, but in something like business, like even if it doesn't directly translate into like your everyday, uh, what will become your everyday work, like it, it it's like the framework or the foundation that you build off of. It's like your reason why it's, it, it's so significant and, and, and important to, to have in the back of your head and, and to be proud of. And, and that's, that's, that's really important stuff that inevitably affects everything you do sometimes without even you knowing it. And, and, and I think you also touched a, upon a good point mentioning like how we have to, uh, be aware of like other people. So I think, I think that's, we don't have a lot of that this, these days. Um, I think we need as a country and as a world to be more empathetic with each other. I don't think we have a lot of empathy for each other. And so I think by understanding your own community, you learn how to be more empathetic, um, to others who are either within the same community or outside of your community who, who also face a variety of, of different, of different issues as well. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for uh, bringing out the speech and debate from me <laughs> no, and, uh, yeah. and my, I guess how, how I think about um, like the importance of, cultural organizations and just culture in general because it's mm-hmm. just the preservation of it is something that um it's not appreciated as much as the as the years go on for or the as the generations go on yeah there's not yeah. there's not a direct translation like you're not gonna say i'm gonna i, I guess for you as a business person <laughs> i'm not gonna get 500 dollars because i'm indonesian or i'm not it's for me it's like i'm not gonna be a good teacher just because i'm indonesian but it's like it's a framework that you can build off of that that it's it's part of your story and 
and that story is and needs to be heard and and so you can open up the pathway for for people behind you right like i think our stories here in the united states are only really able to exist because of not only our parents who moved here and and went through that obstacle cuz my parents talk to me about that all the time their journey here and how much they had to struggle to to survive and to be successful but you know also for pe- people behind us or for people who aren't as privileged as 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 we are to to help lift them up as, as, as in these fields as well which i think you also mentioned in, in talking about like seeing other other people seeing how they did it right and so you know we're 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 very thankful for for the work that's been done by people before us and and in whatever career you decide to do, whether that be education, pre-med, business, et cetera, et cetera, it'll be important in, in different ways, but nonetheless significant ways. Yeah. Well, um, I think that's a pretty nice way to end off on. And um, yeah, if you want to talk about anything else, Kevin, you could... Um, talk about it now but if not we can just wrap it up all righty well um i don't really have much to say i think i all i really have to say is is thanks for bringing me on and thanks to dylan uh the audience doesn't know this but we re-recorded this podcast because um hey, hey, I, I, I was uh i was uh i was i was a little i was a little, You're a little nervous man i was a little nervous beforehand so. Thank you, Dylan, for being uh, such a good host. Um, make sure you don't cut this out of the recording, Dylan. The, the audience needs to know that. I don't you're, know about that. You're, <laughs> you're, a, you're a good host. Um, and, and thanks for having me. And I'm glad we, we were able to like touch not only on like education stuff, because there's really not a lot of people that listen to me when I talk about education. <laughs> but uh, like if I say, hey, I'm, I love teaching, people are like, oh, okay. But also talking about all these cultural things in relation to our Indonesian American identities. And I'm really glad that I'm able to do that, not only in this podcast, but within the club, the club itself. Um, mm. That's what I, that's what I came to join to do. So, so thank you for, for having me here. Yeah. Well, thanks for the thank you. <laughs> and also, yeah, I'm glad that you were able to just voice more of your opinion uh, through this through this edition of our podcast mm-hmm. and um, yeah so uh, thanks for being on here Kevin thanks for taking more time to record this podcast but yeah um, I hope that everyone who's listening to this podcast has really enjoyed it and I hope everyone who's listened has a really nice day And I'll see you later.